Hello, and welcome to our podcast. I'm Dr. Mark White, and today I will be discussing why in the world of orthopedics we should auscultate the joint. It's a common observation that patients with unhealthy joints have noisy joints. The noise occurs for a variety of reasons, including abnormal biomechanics that alter the instant axis of rotation of the joint, leading to, in some cases, cavitation. It can be due to damaged joint surfaces, intermediate structural deterioration like a torn meniscus or impingement in the shoulder. When we hear patients describe their symptoms, this is something, the noise, they sometimes mention. Sometimes they don't have to. We hear the noisy joints from across the room when they get up out of a chair. Some consider the presence of creaky joints a sign of aging, and to a certain extent that's true, but it's also associated with joint damage. The problem is, you can have noisy joints that don't hurt, and you can have noisy joints that do hurt. Auscultating the joint solves part of the problem of determining and grading relative joint health. It's certainly not the only measure of joint health, but it is one. The ideal normal joint is noiseless with movement. The healthy joint is mostly noiseless. So, we auscultate joints to assess their relative health. As joint health deteriorates, noise increases with movement. As health improves, noise decreases. That's the simple version of the story. Naturally, it gets more complicated than that. For our purposes here today, we'll be discussing just the fact of listening to joints to determine what kind of shape they are in and tracking change over time. Naturally, we can't see inside of the knee. We don't have access to the nifty tools that would allow us to do so quickly and easily. And so we can listen. And by doing so, you can learn a surprising lot about what's happening in the interior of the joint. Some things to keep in mind. Pick a test movement you want the patient to perform. Maybe it's the one they have the most difficulty with. It doesn't have to be. But they need to be able to reasonably complete enough movement to generate a sound you can detect. I'll use the knee as an example because it's a large, easily accessible joint that is simple to auscultate. First, we want the joint exposed without any intervening clothing in the way because if things bump against the stethoscope tube, then you will hear extraneous noise. And this is just background noise, literally, that gets in the way of interpreting what you're hearing. Then have them execute the test movement with enough assistance that they can do the movement without causing undue pain such that they cannot complete the movement. We need a reasonable arc of motion that produces the noise that we are interested in. For the knee, typically the patient will have what we call a critical angle, the angle through which they move where most of their symptoms are reproduced. It may be pain, it may be crepitus, it may be instability, maybe lots of things. But we have them perform through that range of motion or as close to it as they can reasonably get while we record the sounds. And we take the large portion of the stethoscope head. Remember, there's two sides for most conventional stethoscopes. And one is for low-frequency sound, one's for high-frequency sounds and capturing a broader spectrum of sound. That's the larger head. And so we tend to use that one. We'll put it over the patella directly, have them execute the movement, and then listen and pay attention to what we hear. In addition, we note the range through which they are moving where we're capturing the sound. 
because if we are working at the critical angle, it's important to know if we're working outside of it because they're too sensitive to move through that angle. That is also important to know, and we want to be we want to be able to reproduce the precise conditions as closely as possible that we use in testing, so that we can use it also for tracking change and monitoring progress of the patient. When you get used to the idea of doing this and you practice it a few times, you can do this on yourself, you can do this on your friends and family, uh, check normal asymptomatic joints, see how they sound. And do this, by the way, thinking in terms of stratification by age, there'll be different sounds at uh, different age groups of people that you listen to. So it helps to gain some experience doing this. And what I'm going to do next is I'm going to play a brief audio clip of a patient with some fairly advanced osteoarthritis. This is kind of a mid-grade, but it was interfering with his life. He was not able to do the things that he needed to do, so he comes to see me for his treatment. And when you hear what a joint sounds like that is in distress, and this will be an example, then it will start to make more sense. Here's the sound clip. We'll loop it so that you can pay attention to the noise that comes across. And then I'll describe some of the features that you're hearing. What you've just heard is a sampling of a knee in a patient who has a complaint whenever he bends his knees, kneels, squats, climbs stairs, gets in and out of a car. And this creates quite a bit of pain for him. The level of pain is about a seven with some activities. He gets to the critical angle and then he has a problem. When we record this noise, we listen to it, then we can uh, determine that, yes, at that angle, it is most noisy. And you hear some large gauge sounds or grisly high amplitude sounds. And there's some low amplitude sounds. The, the ones that are the noisiest, that's where the most... Uh, internal vibration in the joint occurs. There's a, as I tell patients, it's sort of like riding in a car over a cobblestone road. You hit a pothole in the cobblestone road. Well, there's your problem. And the cobblestone road itself is a rough surface. It's not smooth. It's not pristine. And as we get older, we tend to beat up our joint surfaces. And that's fine to a certain point. But when it degrades far enough and you have these potholes in your joint surface, or you have an accompanying torn meniscus, then that's debris in the way, and you hit all of that, and you feel it. And if your joint is healthy enough to endure those kinds of forces that are randomly shot through the knee whenever you encounter the pothole or the debris, then you're fine, sort of. You still have the problem, but it's not to the point that you're beat up enough that you become symptomatic. So you can have these kinds of damages and be asymptomatic. You can have acquired damage and be symptomatic when enough of the protective structures around the knee are not doing their job well or enough chemical debris is built up and that then triggers your pain signals. There's a lot of factors that go into it. The main takeaways from today's talk are as follows. One, auscultating the joint helps determine and grade relative joint health. Two, as joint health deteriorates, joint noise with motion increases. Three, as joint health improves, joint noise with motion decreases. Four, findings can be used to track changes over time.
So, that concludes our talk for now. Thanks for listening. And, as always, may you and your patients be well. That's all for today.